section four of honeybee by anatole france translated by mrs john lane this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kate fallis chapter eleven in which the marvels of the kingdom of the dwarfs are accurately described as well as the dolls that were given to honeybee the kingdom of the dwarfs was very deep and extended under the greater part of the earth though one only caught a glimpse of the sky here and there through the clefts in the rocks the roads the avenues the palaces and the galleries of this subterraneous region were not plunged in absolute darkness only a few spaces and caverns were lost in obscurity the rest was illumined not by lamps or torches but by stars or meteors which diffused a strange and fantastic light and this light revealed the most astonishing marvels one saw stupendous edifices hewn out of the solid rocks and in some places palaces cut out of granite of such height that their tracery of stone was lost under the arches of this gigantic cavern in a haze across which fell the orange glimmer of little stars less lustrous than the moon there were fortresses in this kingdom of the most crushing and formidable dimensions an amphitheatre in which the stone seats formed a half-circle whose extent it was impossible to measure at a single glance and vast wells with sculptured sides in which one could descend for ever and yet never reach the bottom all these structures so out of proportion it would seem to the size of the inhabitants were quite in keeping with their curious and fantastic genius dwarfs in pointed hoods pricked with fern leaves whirled about these edifices in the airiest fashion it was common to see them leap up to the height of two or three stories from the lava pavement and rebound like balls their faces meanwhile preserving that impressive dignity with which sculptors endow the great men of antiquity no one was idle and all worked zealously entire districts echoed to the sound of hammers the shrill discord of machinery broke against the arches of the cavern and it was a curious sight to see the crowds of miners blacksmiths gold-beaters jewellers diamond polishers handle pickaxes hammers pinchers and files with the dexterity of monkeys however there was a more peaceful region here coarse and powerful figures and shapeless columns loomed in chaotic confusion hewn out of the virgin rock and seemed to date back to an immemorial antiquity here a palace with low portals extended its ponderous expanse it was the palace of king Locke. directly opposite was the house of honeybee a house or rather a cottage of one room all hung with white muslin the furniture of pine wood perfumed the room a glimpse of daylight penetrated through a crevice in the rock and on fine nights one could see the stars 
honeybee had no special attendants for all the dwarf people were eager to serve her and to anticipate all her wishes except the single one to return to earth the most erudite dwarfs familiar with the profoundest secrets were glad to teach her not from books for dwarfs do not write but by showing her all the plants of mountains and plains all the diverse species of animals and all the varied gems that are extracted from the bosom of the earth and it was by means of such sights and marvels that they taught her with an innocent gaiety the wonders of nature and the processes of the arts they made her playthings such as the richest children on earth never have for these dwarfs were always industrious and invented wonderful machinery in this way they produced for her dolls that could move with exquisite grace and express themselves according to the strictest rules of poetry placed on the stage of a little theatre the scenery of which represented the shores of the sea the blue sky palaces and temples they would portray the most interesting events though no taller than a man's arm some of them represented respectable old men others men in the prime of life and others still beautiful young girls dressed in white among them also were mothers pressing their innocent children to their hearts and these eloquent dolls acted as if they were really moved by hate love and ambition they passed with the greatest skill from joy to sorrow and they imitated nature so well that they could move one to laughter or to tears honeybee clapped her hands at the sight she had a horror of the dolls who tried to be tyrants on the other hand she felt a boundless compassion for a doll who had once been a princess and who now a captive widow had no other resource alas by which to save her child than to marry the barbarian who had made her a widow honeybee never tired of this game which the dolls could vary indefinitely the dwarfs also gave concerts and taught her to play the lute the viola the theorbo the lyre and various other instruments in short she became an excellent musician and the dramas acted in the theatre by the dolls taught her a knowledge of men and life king locke was always present at the plays and the concerts but he neither saw nor heard anything but honeybee little by little he had set his whole heart upon her in the meantime months passed and even years sped by and honeybee was still among the dwarfs always amused and yet always longing for earth she grew to be a beautiful girl her singular destiny had imparted something strange to her appearance which gave her however only an added charm chapter twelve in which the treasures of king locke are described as well as the writer is able six years to a day had passed since honeybee had come to live with the dwarfs king locke called her into his palace and commanded his treasurer 
to displace a huge stone which seemed cemented into the wall but which in reality was only lightly placed there all three passed through the opening left by the great stone and found themselves in a fissure of rock too narrow for two persons to stand abreast king Locke preceded the others along the dim path and honeybee followed him holding to a tip of the royal mantle they walked on for a long time and at intervals the sides of the rocks came so close together that the young girl was seized with terror lest she should be unable to advance or recede and so would die there before her along the dark and narrow road floated the mantle of king Locke. at last king Locke came to a bronze door which he opened and out of which poured a blaze of light little king lock said honeybee i had no idea that light could be so beautiful and king lock taking her by the hand led her into the hall out of which the light shone see he cried honeybee dazzled could see nothing for this immense hall supported by high marble columns was a glitter of gold from floor to roof at the end on a dais made of glittering gems set in gold and silver the steps of which were covered by a carpet of marvellous embroidery stood a throne of ivory and gold under a canopy of translucent enamel and on each side two palm trees three thousand years old in gigantic vases carved in some bygone time by the greatest artists among the dwarfs king Locke mounted his throne and commanded the young girl to stand at his right hand honeybee said king Locke, these are my treasures choose all that will give you pleasure immense gold shields hung from the columns and reflected the sunlight and sent it back in glittering rays swords and lances crossed had each a flame at their point tables along the walls were laden with tankards flagons ewers chalices pyxes pattens goblets gold cups drinking horns of ivory with silver rings enormous bottles of rock crystal chased gold and silver dishes coffers reliquaries in the form of churches scent boxes mirrors candelabra and torch holders equally beautiful in material and workmanship and incense burners in the shape of monsters and on one table stood a chessboard with chessmen carved out of moonstones choose king Locke repeated but lifting her eyes above these treasures honeybee saw the blue sky through an opening in the roof and as if she had comprehended that the light of day could alone give all these things their splendour she said simply little king Locke, i want to return to earth 
whereupon king locke made a sign to his treasurer who raising heavy tapestries disclosed an enormous iron-bound coffer covered with plates of open ironwork this coffer being opened poured thousands of rays of different and lovely tints and each ray seemed to leap out of a precious stone most artistically cut king locke dipped in his hands and there flowed in glittering confusion violet amethysts and virgin's stones emeralds of three kinds one dark green another called the honey emerald because of its color and the third a bluish green also called beryl which gives happy dreams oriental topazes rubies beautiful as the blood of heroes dark blue sapphires called the male sapphire and the pale blue ones called the female sapphire the cymophanes hyacinths euclases turquoises opals whose light is softer than the dawn the aquamarine and the syrian garnet all these gems were of the purest and most luminous water and in the midst of these colored fires great diamonds flashed their rays of dazzling white choose honeybee said king locke but honeybee shook her head little king locke she said i would rather have a single beam of sunlight that falls on the roof of clarides than all these gems then king locke ordered another coffer to be opened in which were only pearls but these pearls were round and pure their changing light reflected all the colors of sea and sky and their radiance was so tender that they seemed to express a thought of love except these said king locke little king locke honeybee replied these pearls are like the glance of george of blanchland i love these pearls but i love his eyes even more hearing these words king locke turned his head away however he opened a third coffer and showed the young girl a crystal in which a drop of water had been imprisoned since the beginning of time and when the crystal was moved the drop of water could be seen to stir he also showed her pieces of yellow amber in which insects more brilliant than jewels had been imprisoned for thousands of years one could distinguish their delicate feet and their fine antenna and they would have resumed their flight had some power but shattered like glass their perfumed prison these are the great marvels of nature i give them to you honeybee little king locke honeybee replied keep your amber and your crystal for i should not know how to give their freedom either to the fly or the drop of water king locke watched her in silence for some time then he said honeybee the most beautiful treasures will be safe in your keeping you will possess them and they will not possess you the miser is the prey of his gold only those who despise wealth can be rich without danger their souls will always be greater than their riches 
having uttered these words he made a sign to his treasurer who presented on a cushion a crown of gold to the young girl accept this jewel as a sign of our regard for you said king locke henceforth you shall be called the princess of the dwarfs and he himself placed the crown on the head of honeybee chapter thirteen in which king locke declares himself the dwarfs celebrated the crowning of their first princess by joyous revels harmless and innocent games succeeded each other in the huge amphitheatre and the little men with cockades of fern or two oak leaves fastened coquettishly to their hoods bounded gaily across the subterranean streets the rejoicings lasted thirty days during the universal excitement pick looked like a mortal inspired tad the kind-hearted was intoxicated by the universal joy dig the tender gave expression to his delight in tears rug in his ecstasy again demanded that honeybee should be put in a cage but this time so that the dwarfs need not be afraid to lose so charming a princess bob mounted on his raven filled the air with such cries of rapture that the sable bird infected by the gaiety gave vent to innumerable playful little croaks only king locke was sad on the thirtieth day having given the princess and the dwarf people a festival of unparalleled magnificence he mounted his throne and so stood that his kind face just reached her ear my princess honeybee he said i am about to make a request which you are at liberty either to accept or to refuse honeybee of clarides princess of the dwarfs will you be my wife as he spoke king locke grave and tender had something of the gentle beauty of a majestic poodle little king locke honeybee replied as she pulled his beard i am willing to become your wife for fun but never your wife for good the moment you asked me to marry you i was reminded of francor who when i was on earth used to amuse me by telling me the most ridiculous stories at these words king locke turned his head away but not so soon but that honeybee saw the tears in his eyes then honeybee was grieved because she had pained him little king locke she said to him i love you for the little king locke you are and if you make me laugh as francor did there is nothing in that to vex you for francor sang well and he would have been very handsome if it had not been for his grey hair and his red nose honeybee of clarides princess of the dwarfs the king replied i love you in the hope that some day you will love me and yet without that hope i should love you just the same the only return i ask for my friendship is that you will always be honest with me little king locke i promise well then tell me truly honeybee 
do you love someone else enough to marry him little king lock i love no one enough for that whereupon king lock smiled and seizing his golden cup he proposed with a resounding voice the health of the princess of the dwarfs an immense uproar rose from the depths of the earth for the banquet table reached from one end to the other of the empire of the dwarfs end of section four